G people, hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of Blockchain Insider. I'm your host, Maurice Magaldi, and I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing Catherine Gu, head of CBDC and protocols at Visa. Welcome to the show today. How are you doing, Catherine? Very good. How are you doing? I'm great. Today is a very special bonus episode, and it's all about how blockchains can bring people together, especially with the creator economy. Crypto and NFTs allow artists to build communities all over the world since they're borderless. So today, we're joined by two participants in the Visa's creator program. They have both been chosen to use blockchain technology as the means to share their art with the world. So we welcome to the show Gus Sarkodi, photographer from Accra, Ghana. How are you doing today, Gus? It's great to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, I think, first of all, let me just say a great big thank you to Mauricio and Catherine and all who have put this together for us to be here today. And I think so far it's been an eye-opening journey for me, and I'm looking forward to the conversations today. So I think I'll start by saying, yes, I'm Gus Sakudi, a lens-based artist from Accra, Ghana, and photography is my main medium. And I'm a creative director as well. I was born and currently do live in Ghana, and I've been a creative one artist for about, say, the better part of the last seven years. I delved into this digital space, specifically with crypto and with Web3, about four years ago, and NFTs a little about two years ago. And I think since then, I've explored a whole range of platforms and met so many amazing people on this journey, and I joined the family with Visa, I think a couple months ago, about nine or 10 months ago now. So here I am today on this podcast. Amazing, amazing. And we're also joined by Violeta Valcheva, multimedia artist based in Barcelona. Thanks for joining us today, Violeta. How are you doing? And tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really great to be here. And similar to Gus, I'm very, very excited for this conversation and in general, uh, what the future holds for the blockchain as well. Yes, so as you mentioned, I'm based in Barcelona. I was originally born in Bulgaria to a mixed family, but I've lived in different countries. Now I'm here in Spain. And um, I my mediums are predominantly in film, performance art, and uh, digital art with specialty of AI and creative coding. I've joined the space of blockchain similar to Gus four years ago. And with NFTs, I started experimenting and exploring more platforms and communities. Two years ago, I am also the founder of a NFT and Web3 community here in Barcelona in Spain. So we organize events and empowering other creators. And um, yeah, I joined similar to Gus. The family of Visa has been an amazing journey. And um, yeah, looking forward to be learning more about the space and uh, expanding my creative art as well. Awesome. We're going to learn a lot about the program today. So before we dive in, just as a reminder to our listeners, the views or opinions of our panel are their own and don't necessarily reflect those of the companies that they are representing. And as always, nothing we say should be taken as tax, financial, or legal advice. So go do your own research. Let's kick this thing off. We'll start by diving deeper into understanding why artists are turning to blockchain and NFTs, and what are the benefits that they're looking for. So there's a wider question. So why the hell are we using blockchain for art? This is so remotely different than physical art to a lot of degrees. So I'm kicking off with you, Violetta. Why did you choose to go with NFTs to portray your art? 
I think for me, the, you have a couple of reasons of why is that. And the most three biggest one were autonomy, being able to be my own boss type of thing. So there's like immediately the production side of it or creators and so forth there kind of put on the side. The second part would be experimentation. Um, I've always had a, a very uh, deep interest in new technologies, how the internet is evol evolving. And I know that most of the artists who are into NFTs and uh, blockchain they, they share the similar knowledge and similar interest. And I think the third one is also the idea to can actually bring your own community together. You can, you can connect with other artists, you can collaborate, you can learn from each other, but you can also evolve within the space and it's, it moves so fast. So I feel like this idea of kind of expanding your horizon and on the other side, being autonomous and being able to kind of sell your own artwork and have a complete freedom of what you actually do it and where and how draw me initially within the space. But I know that that it's also kind of like what I've noticed within other artists and other collectives, how, how that brings them together. Interesting. I wonder how, you know, what's your why, Gus, when, when you figured out, I want to do this? Um, I think mine is a little bit similar to Violetta's as well, because I think I wanted to be part of this new tech revolution, something new that was happening. I didn't want to be left behind. I feel like um, this was something that I had to bring my thoughts, bring my art into. Um, also, another, um, another reason why I joined was the fact that the digital authenticity and just the ability to prove that this piece of art is truly yours. That was one thing that when I first heard about NFTs, people kept hammering on and I was like, hmm, this is something that I feel is really needed in the game right now. But I think my my true selling point was with smart contracts and royalties being embedded within the arts that I create. So in the sense that arts could be sold and resold time and time again and after you so I could still get royalties, I can still, you know, be able to benefit off of this thing that I created years ago, you know. So I think even smart contracts, the fact that like they're programmable so that you can introduce different interactive features within the space in itself, I think that was something that really caught my attention and just made me know that okay, this is something that I want to be a part of. Interesting. Interesting you highlight provenance as one of the kind of interesting factors because uh, way back in, I don't know, 2014, when I first read the Bitcoin white paper, the resolution of the double spend problem, meaning you can spend twice the same digital asset, was the thing that clicked with me because not to show my band, but showing my band already. <laughs> I, my, ba my band launched the first CD when things were on CDs, uh, the same year that Napster came about. And, and that kind of put a halt to my kind of music career. And then with blockchains, I'm like, oh my God, music can be, you know, good again, I guess. So that's interesting you, you named that. So in terms of your journey, I mean, this, this is not an easy journey. I mean, there are loads of tooling, there's loads of noise. How was it, so when you started, how was starting off with that, uh, Gus, what was your experience? Um, starting off, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was the easiest thing to start off because I was really, I don't want to say put off by a number of things, but at the same time too, as I joined, as I began to speak to people, as I began to build my community, that's when I felt like, mm, this is something that would really stick for me if I continue to keep at it, if I continue to find new people around me, continue to find more familiar faces, people that I can relate with, people who 
even when we are shilling, we can shill together. People, even when we are creating a new project, putting something together, I can do things with them. So just the fact that there was this whole community aspect of it, sort of, it drew me more into this space. So it was more like the people. Uh, I imagine, Violetta, you have a community there. Was was this made any easier by the people, by the community? How was your early days in, in pursuing this kind of digital artistry? Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was a bit different because uh, when I entered within the NFT space, I was actually not really minting my work at first. I was still creating. I was being more part of the the traditional art world, I would say. Um, I also work in film, so we know with production companies and so forth. But so connecting with the community and actually bringing artists together, I just realized, wait, I, I have all this knowledge, I could do it myself. And so having, um, I launched like a very small collection of 10 pieces and I already had in people who are interested in buying within the community and also people that I knew. So that made it a bit more easier for me because I already had the connections to some extent. But um, again, as you mentioned also, Mauricio, there is a lot of noise and there is a lot of things that could kind of sidetrack you. And sometimes things don't go as planned. So I think a certain flexibility is needed, especially when you start within the space and to not be afraid to fail or not to sell out immediately. But yeah, it's still a learning curve. It's still so much be being happening. As Gus also said, you know, there's new and new things that are being introduced and how you can actually work with the smart contract and so forth. That's cool. And and you mentioned something that I, I really love about being in Web3, which is this kind of the vibe of the community and people getting together to work in projects and then like assembly, a, assembling a dynamic team and doing something, then moving on to the next thing. So it's very dynamic. How does community differ from where when you are a, say, off-chain artist to when you are an on-chain artist, meaning a, a real-world physical environment artist and, and a blockchain and FTA. What was your experience, you know, navigating these two different communities? How did that play out before and after, you know, the blockchain came into your life? I'm, I'm going to go with you first, Violetta. In my personal experience, I feel like the Web3 community is a bit more inclusive and more open. Just because it's so new and so much evolving, there's like a lot of a lot of curiosity and a lot of still kind of figuring out from both sides, from collector sides, but also from artist community sides. On the other side, when you have the traditional art communities in the world, there's already rules set in stone and there's already kind of rule makers within the space. And that's it's not even the idea of Web3. The idea of Web3 is decentralization and community building and, you know, autonomy. So I feel like there's so much more space to explore and to connect with different communities because you don't just have one big one. There's like literally also you we spoke about music you know i i have you have music communities which are very niche and very amazing you have film you have photography you have so many things and sometimes they come together and they collaborate and um yeah i think it's much more experimental and very very beneficial and of course when you have the web3 people actually meeting in you know, on conferences or events, because we have ROA events in Barcelona, it's also very magical because we do need human contact at the end. That brings like extra layer of creativity, I would say. That's interesting. It's my engineering side versus my art side always in conflict. <laughs> yeah. I want to see people. Yeah. I don't want to see people. Exactly. Yeah. Same, same. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, Gus, how's, how was your transition and how was it before and after, you know, digital art kind of came into your life in terms of community? I would say mine, it's more of the community was more accessible. 
So it's just uh, the fact alone that you can connect with the whole world from, and not just connect, but connect on like the same wavelength of people who are doing things similar to you and just meeting people within the same, of the same mindset as you. It made things much more easier because I was able to connect with artists all around Africa. I'm an African, I'm a Ghanaian, but I didn't feel like I had connected that much with many different artists or many different Africans around me. So I think Web3 sort of brought everything together, just tied everything together for me. You begin to meet new people who could be your friends, people who could potentially um, hire you. I remember when I first got into NFTs, I was on um, Twitter or X spaces with people from Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, Botswana, just different, different countries that I knew existed. I'd never visited. So just like the fact that I could talk to them, some of them are even still my friends up to now. I still keep some of those connections up to today. So that alone, just the accessibility aspect of it, it's been amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. And not to leave you, you know, to the side, Kat, I know you also dabbled in NFTs and, and, and art specifically, these collections that made, you know, digital communities possible. What is your experience as a collector in, in engaging in these communities? I mean, it's it's something that we as humans are, you know, we draw upon, but what was your experience in engaging in that space? First, I would say, Maurizio, you're over-complimenting my collection because I, I, by no means I can call myself an NFT collector, but I have been very interested, um, you know, when uh, N NFT was booming and trying to understand exactly what's going on. I think for me, at least, I always appreciate art, right? Like, but me, I'm, I'm more sort of the old school that I go to a museum. I look at all these artworks where I like to buy sculptures and stuff, the, the physical aspect of things. And I think NFT certainly opens up a very new space. And I think it's, I reflect some of the things, Violetta, you, you said just now, which is it's a lot more immersive and interactive. So it's not just appreciating the artistic embedded into something. It's more about who else are sharing the same view as you and sort of the blockchain plus the social media combined together. You get that aspect of interaction that you're not alone and you can just meet you know, random or strange people, but you've never met virtually. I think that's really cool. And that's kind of like, I think, welcoming a lot of the new generation of people. So that's that's my take on NFT. And I think it's just a different form of arts that's not available in the past. And now we get to appreciate them. So yeah, absolutely. And Violetta, what was your experience before joining the visa program? And how was it joining the visa? Because I, I love that these big brands, such as our partners in Visa, are actually entering this space and making interesting decisions. I mean, I know there's a lot that Kat and I talk about in terms of payments and financial services, which is what we do and what we really like to talk about. There's this whole other space that these companies are starting. Visa is a, obviously a paramount example of how this industry is being leveraged by some of these players. What, how was your experience joining the program? And then I want to hear from you, Gus, as well. My experience with the Visa program was really, really transformational for multiple reasons. First, uh, I would start with the cohort. I think that also comes back to the point of Gus, what he was saying, that you connect with different people. from diff We are five different creators from five different continents. And we have a very distinct background, both within our artwork and what we bring to the space. So that has been really, really amazing. And I feel like this idea of actually bringing different nationalities and different people from all around the world together, learning and creating together, it's 
is such a good idea. And that's the example of how Web3 works. And um, of course, part of it as well was a lot of learning process, a lot of connection with different chains, with different projects. They brought an amazing speakers within the program, like CEOs or like head of uh, partnerships on different co companies of in blockchain, but also in AI. So there really was like really ahead of new technological advancement within the space. And, you know, working with um, Katrin and Jessica, who are also part of the Visa team has been really a blast and uh, we also had a personal mentor, which was helping out to kind of understand, okay, where do we want to go uh, with our artworks? What are, you know, because the idea of Web3 is actually you're being creator, but you're also being an entrepreneur. So I think that this program kind of helped me realize how can I actually be entrepreneur within my creative space? Like how, how you advanced, what kind of steps do you do, how you make your planning so you can actually be successful with your work. So yeah, that was kind of like my take from, from the program, I would say, now being at its end. Nice. Gus? I think speaking of, if we should speak of community, I was even introduced to this program by someone in my community. So that's how I even found out about the Visa Creator Program. Again, the benefits of community within the space. So um, my time here has been nothing short of incredible. I have to be honest about that. Like I've met a host of different, different people across the world, incredible personalities, incredible conversations. And I think what really stood out to me is that everyone has their own thing going on for them. Like you wouldn't see one of the same person. It's just different people of different diverse backgrounds. And in this program, we've learned so much technically, as Violeta was saying, the workshops and the programs, the network that we've had access to. I think I've learned how to manage my time as an artist, finding the balance between myself as an artist and myself as an entrepreneur. So I think the network, the wide network alone and the wide reach of being in this program has opened so many doors for me. Because I, in, this, in my time in this program, I've been able to actually conceptualize, plan and execute a whole exhibition for myself and my team. I've been able to build a studio, which I've been dreaming about since I became a full-time creator. I think there are just many, many different things that I have been able to accomplish just by availing myself and being in this program to learn from Visa, but also to learn from other people around me. Cool. And one of the things that I feel is kind of a, a, a hallmark behavior in Web3 is the behavior of paying it forward. And, and I've been trying to honor that myself and I've been beneficiary of that. So one question that I really wanted to ask you guys, given your experience, is what would you give as an advice for people who are listening to this and they're like in doubt of, you know, I'm a creator, but I'm not in digital or I would love to be a creator and I haven't been because, you know, there's so many hurdles and maybe this is the, what would you tell them? I mean, Gus, I'm going to start with you. What would you, would you tell to yourself like two years ago, four years ago? When you started? <laughs> that's, that's an amazing question. I think what I would say is, what I would say to somebody wanting to enter this space is, there's a lot of noise in this space, right? Genuinely, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of things people will talk about. But one thing I want to say is, I don't think you should compromise on the quality of the work that you're producing. That's the first and foremost thing as a creator, because after everything, it's going to be your work that stays. It's going to be your work that shows. 
So no matter what you do, no matter who you interact with, no matter the communities you find yourself in, no matter the people who even purchase your work, I think that you, you should not compromise on the quality of the work that you're creating because at the end of the day, that's what you leave behind. Right. Violetta, what, what's, what would be your uh, advice for an early version of yourself? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I think first and foremost would be don't be afraid to ask questions and reach out to people. So far, my experience is that everyone are so willing to help you and to answer your questions. Obviously, as Gus said, there is a lot of noise, so being mindful of this is important as well. A second, what Gus said, not to compromise your work, but also keep on creating. You know, as creators, we tend to be a bit more critical about ourselves and about our work. That happens, and I think that we should just keep on creating, and sometimes the work is great and very inspirational, sometimes might not be the best, But still, the more you do, the better it becomes. And I think that more doing and more experimenting, it's the way I would go with it. And consistency matters. And I think that's also when you enter in a new space, that's really helpful. I want to give this conversation a little bit of a twist because one of the things that we do here at Blockchain Insider, because 11FS is you know, what it is, uh, and we have a sister podcast, FinTech Insider as well, and there's another podcast with FinTech and Visa. So we want to kind of get your help to understand how technology, especially blockchain, has helped you ensure, you know, a little bit of financial freedom or financial security uh, or assurance that you're going to get paid. What were the problems that you lived before that came into your life and after as a creator that technology makes it easier for you to get, say, paid for your work? You know, because, you know, we all want to live off of your work. So how was is, how is that your uh, experience in your case, Violetta? I mean, for me, it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward, to be honest. I remember when I was, that was years ago, I was working in the gallery and I also had like a performance and an art, art exhibition there and so forth. And that was in Berlin and it was in the center of the city, like in a very prominent place. And I didn't really have a lot of sales and I had to do a lot of shilling and a lot of connection with the collectors there. And the space in itself was quite... Um, how can I explain it? It was very kind of a bit of a stuck up environment and not to not to be mean to the people, but it's just it was a different environment, like more specific towards kind of like collecting and speaking with the creator and the creator was getting 50% off, which is like a big percentage. Still, they do all the selling and so forth. But um, and within the blockchain space, um, I think for me it was much easier because you can you can mint it out and then sometimes it sells out but sometimes it doesn't but the process in itself is kind of like more more direct and more controlled by you and you can you can also connect with different online communities and that doesn't require as much time as to actually search for collectors in the real world so to speak again that also comes with its own hurdles because you have a lot of artists and a lot of communities so you need to really know what's your niche So it's really trial and error. And for me, uh, that has been kind of like comparing it from with the real, uh, like, you know, traditional art world. I find it much better for, for the creators to kind of make a passive income, I would say. And for me, has, I've been also working within the space, within the Web3 space from a community and content perspective. So that kind of allowed me to work also with different companies and all different NFT collections as well that I was collaborating with. So there are really a lot of, creative ways that an artist could, you know, benefit financially from the space. Gus, how was your experience in terms of, you know, the, the whole, because 
money is a, a sticky subject for an artist. Like you don't yeah. want to think about the money, yeah. you know. And I, I'm 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 kind of you know echoing my own experience. Like when you're talking about music, like yes, we want to get paid, but we don't want to talk about the money. So it's kind of weird. So how how was it, was it in your case? How how did crypto and blockchain kind of helped you kind of gain control of all of this? I think I'd agree with what Violetta was saying. A lot of the time, before I learned about blockchain and NFTs, I used to rely on either somebody wanting my services or selling prints. Those were, I think, those were the two main things that I used to go. And selling prints online, I mean, I used to sell them online. I used to sell them to also my fellow people in Ghana here. But just like I feel like the art scene in Ghana, especially, is it's is not really respected the way you would expect it to be because you charge somebody or oh, this is the price for your print somebody's now thinking that oh this is way too much for a print i can't just spend that on a, on a picture that i'll go and put in my house or i can't spend that on something you know i'll go and put somewhere so like just trying like they didn't see art for what it really was so trying to get them to understand and trying to get them to buy into your idea before buying into you as a as an artist, that was that was quite a challenge. But uh, and also just being in Ghana, like this government is trying to tax everything out of you. So it's like if you if you want to <laughs> if you want to sell something before you even realize how much you've actually sold, like it's it's a whole thing. So I think the introduction of blockchain technology and NFTs it really helped me in the sense that. Even with regards to royalties, because sometimes you're just sitting there, you've sold a piece or a couple of pieces, and just sitting there, maybe months down the line, you get a royalty email that, oh, you've been paid so and so amount into your account. And just the fact that it's it builds on, you know, how much you create, how much effort you put into it. Like you can see your efforts not going in vain. You can see that this is something that you're actually making a living out of. So I think that's that's a very beautiful part of it. Interesting. Yeah, as we set up for for the, the, the next section of the show, what is the one, and I'll give you just one, you don't need to do three, but what is the one thing that still has to be solved in terms of this blend between the technology, the art, the payment, the ownership? What is, in your opinion, has yet to be solved for the artist to say, mm, now I want to onboard that space. I'll go with you first, Gus. One thing that needs to be solved, and this might be only apply to me again because I'm Ghanaian, but I think just the easy integration between the traditional payment platforms and the marketplaces, trying to find a way to bridge that gap. Because I feel sometimes when you want to sell work, you have to go through a series of different channels because either this thing is blocked in your country. This thing is blocked in your country. This is, you know, it's just finding a way to ease that um, sort of traditional payment platforms in the marketplace, finding that, bridging that gap. I think that will really be beneficial to a lot of creators in this side of the world. What's your one problem that has yet to be solved, Violetta? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of in the, the problem that I've mentioned now. It's in the way of solving, but still not quite there. I think the initial boarding process and what I've also noticed with other artists that I've tried to onboard, it's fairly complicated from a tech point of view for some people, you know, like for you to be actually able to mint, you have to ha uh, get a wallet. And if you do that, if you want to do Ethereum, you have to, you know, buy Ethereum and pay the gas fees, which is also 
kind of expensive. Uh, so I think this whole process of new onboarding stops a lot of people. I've noticed this also in my, you know, in my time in the space. So maybe kind of a more comprehensive UX design might be good for some of the apps because some wallets really are complicated to deal with. And, <laughs> you know, and okay, MetaMask is get, it's much, much better than from the beginning. But still, I've noticed other chains that they require a lot. And and then jumping out of the pro of the steps is not the is not the solution either, you know, because sometimes you can uh, have a wallet, but you don't get the key phrase, and that's also important to have because it's your own. So I think this whole one, you know, understanding the technology still, we need to find a more of an intuitive way to to introduce it to people. I think that's kind of like a problem I would mention. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we love to talk about UX. We've done a few episodes on that. So absolutely <laughs> yeah. on, on point on that. So uh, we'll take a quick pause here and we'll be back right after the ad rolls. This episode is brought to you by Visa, one of the world's leaders in digital payments. Crypto has opened up a new world of possibilities and Visa is helping everyone take part. Consumers can now enjoy the freedom and flexibility of using their Visa crypto link cards for everyday purchases at millions of Visa-accepting merchant locations around the world. Join us in this new money movement. Learn more at visa.com forward slash crypto. So welcome back. Uh, now we've learned more about our creators. Uh, let's kind of take a look towards the future of NFTs. So Catherine, I'm going to hand it over to you so we can run that point. Yeah, no, sounds good. So there's a lot of uh, um, TBDs, I guess, for the NFT market. What's next, right? I mean, clearly we're still in this crypto winter. NFT has been taking some hit. And I think just trying to think through how do you go from here today and go more mainstream in the future, whatever that mainstream might mean, whether it's touching on all the audiences just within the crypto ecosystem or just uh, broader people who might not even thought about it in the past. What are some of your, I guess, creative ways or suggestions to think about this going mainstream? How would that, you know, manifest itself down the road? Yeah, I think... One of the ways that it could go mainstream is having like big companies and also, for example, Visa is a good example, you know, getting into the space and, you know, supporting creators in itself. Because I think for a lot of people, let's say, you know, normies or in general, people who are not in the Web3 space, uh, NFTs and crypto and, and Web3, it almost sounds like a scam. Like that's, that's also a lot of how the media portrays it. Yeah, it's really true. It's very inaccurate, but it's, that's how it is. And I feel like when you have a bit more of a legitimacy and you can have you have actual big companies entering the space, like for example, Nike is making collaborations, Adidas, you have like a lot of, you know, Starbucks is making NFTs that reels more people in. And then that's kind of a more of a commercial point of view. From non-commercial point of view, I think onboarding new people and new communities, uh, it's the way to go. And I feel like as early starters, we all have almost kind of like this responsibility to be able to share our knowledge and be, you know, clear about how we can how we can steer the future of Web3 and creators economy and NFTs to the right direction where we can actually feel supported from each other. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with what Violeta was saying about introducing, you know, big players into the game. Because I feel like it's human nature to believe in optics. It's one thing for people to be doing it, but it's another thing for people who have sort of the influence to be doing it. So I was having this conversation with my mentor, 
a little while ago, and we're talking about the introduction of a market, an NFT marketplace by Canon, like Canon, the camera um, maker, like the people who want to make cameras. So I feel like just the fact that, and this was something, this was news I discovered months ago, but I haven't really heard much from it. But just for the fact that Canon as a big brand, as a brand that people trust, imagine they had their own NFT marketplace. It's something that could drive up adoption, something that people know that, okay, if this is backed by Canon, a, a company that I can trust actually creates art on, like art with their equipment, with their gear and stuff like that. This is something that I genuinely would also want to put myself into. So just creating the space for people to trust it more is something that can really improve the game for us. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious, actually, from an artist perspective. I mean, all I can say is, you know, I used to paint. I also play piano. So it's just some arts going on there. But, you know, especially as an artist, like as you're doing, you know, you're painting, you're drawing on a canvas, there's that certain experience. I'm actually curious, as you're creating these sort of new digital form of arts on directly on blockchain, do you feel that there might be certain limitations or maybe new ways you're creating art that you don't think is possible or you're limited? Like, how, how does that actually feel like as, a, as an artist? I'm curious to to learn from your, your experience. So, yeah. I think... As an artist, again, you're an innovator first and foremost because you're creating something new, something fresh in your mind. If I want to relate it to specifically with the digital space and, and NFTs, I think just like say the introduction of creating an let's say I'm going to give an example of like an event. You want to do an event as an artist, say an exhibition. Imagine you have you create the art, you create the exhibition, but now you want people to attend your event. How would they attend your event? You could offer something like tickets to them, but tickets in the form of NFTs. Another way that can sort of bridge that gap is if they are wearing, like, say, wearables as NFTs, and they can literally, the outfit they are wearing is what it grants them the ticket to the event. So I feel like just thinking about something like this is exciting as an artist, as an innovator, just to. You know, you want to incorporate this into your everyday life as an artist, everyday life as a creator. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree with Gus as well that I like what you said about artists being innovators. I think that's very, very true, actually. And uh, yes, I think experimenting with by, by it, on its own, kind of experimenting and entering the, within the space and with the tech, you get more inspired to learn new technology. I'm speaking about me, for example, I got because there's a lot of a big movement right now within the Web3 space with AI technology and AI artists. And in general, within the world, like AI is booming. So for me, that has been like one step forward and learning about it more, how I can actually incorporate it with my own work. So that has been kind of like a big learning curve to my own creativity as well. And I feel like that if I was more into the traditional art world, that might not have happened because I am learning about new tech, you know, emerging tech tools and so forth, also predominantly from the Web3 X or slash Twitter spaces and so forth. So yeah, I think it's experimentation really brings you forward in your creativity. Yeah, I actually think it's really good point you raise about the AI, right? There's so many different like AI generated sort of art artworks that can be done in an instant. And I especially think 
tagging that along with Maurizio's earlier point about provenance, like that's kind of a perfect match with the creativity that you might want to generate. There you go. And plus the, the provenance that sort of help to protect and also generate, you know, the, the, the right incentive in, uh, uh, structure for artists. So, you know, we have a few minutes left. I want to give you both the space to really talk about, you know, what's next for you, what's upcoming in your portfolios, any companies or any sort of like themes that you'll be working on for the, for the upcoming year. So, uh, let me start with you, Gus. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I think first and foremost, in my time in this program, with that's like within this year, one thing that I've always wanted to do as an artist was a photographer, first and foremost, was to be on a magazine cover, right? And I was able to accomplish that this year. And in the near, very near future, I'm having my second magazine cover launching this year as well, it's before the year ends. Um, I'm also working currently on a solo exhibition for a new project that I'm working on. And this project, I feel like it's more of a lifelong vision that I'm working on, I'm trying to conceptualize right now. It's going to be called The Life Cycle. It's about circles, basically the circle, different circles of the world and how the circle, I feel, is the most important figure in the world. So it's just me building upon something, an idea like that. And I'll be launching a couple of collections as well to close out the program. So yeah, that's what to, that's what there is to look forward to very soon for me. Oh, that's amazing, Gus. Super great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for me has been also like this year has been a lot of production as well. Um, I'm able to produce two short films that I'm really really proud of and that I'm making also interactive NFT out, out of them that I'll be minting. Um, actually tomorrow, which tomorrow is also my birthday, so I'm kind of like putting the cycle to it. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, for, for the next year, I am I have a couple of projects in mind, both from like a film and performance perspective, but also one that I'm really looking forward to explore is uh, the idea of like how cyber feminism, performance and algorithms can, can work together. And I'm collaborating with other like coders and AI engineers about it. So I'm, you know, I'm exploring this idea of how we can actually make the, the tech space more inclusive. And at the same time, we want to record the data and as well, all the artworks that we make on, on the blockchain. So that's kind of be kind of like this communicate, you know, this uh, merge of different tech. So it's a it's a massive project. Uh, um, I actually applied for a European um, Union kind of a digital deal. It's called. And either way, if that happens, that would be amazing. If not, they will be finding different ways to uh, work on that. And um, yeah, my my kind of like north star for next year is that since this year has been really helpful also during the visa program is to kind of have my own studio with, you know, film and uh, production and content creation, which I've already been doing also with different, with different um, also Web3 companies and specifically in kind of a niche between Web3 and AI. So um, yeah, lots to look forward to it next year. And of course, expand, expanding the community and connecting with more amazing people. I think that's really important. Yeah, no, that sounds super ambitious and super cool for both of you. And um, we're excited to see, you know, all the upcoming artwork. I guess I'll leave the last question to Mauricio. If you are going to do any NFT uh, artwork in the coming uh, <laughs> year, or just collections. I, I've been working on a concept where every artist becomes a DAO. Mm. Oh, wow. uh, and that's, and that's, that's for music, that's for video. And, and I think uh, that's the one way where AI and blockchain can come together because if AI exists outside of the blockchain, the provenance is really hard to kind of ensure. 
but they can't, they can't coexist. And then if you have a DAO with artists and fans and their own community, they can protect the IP because if something else comes out that is not in the DAO, then it's likely not part of that artist's portfolio. So I think there's a lot to be explored in that space. And I think art and blockchain and in, in that regard can really protect the artists and the fans. So I'm really hopeful that this is the concept that's going to stick. Maybe not next year, but maybe you know next couple of years, we, we get a lot more maturity uh, in every layer of the stack. And we'll see people like Violetta and Gus running their own DAOs and protecting their IP and, you know, Hopefully that's what's coming. So we'll wrap up today's discussion. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find more about you, your projects? I'm going to go with you, Gus, first. Specifically, different marketplaces. I have my website up and running, my portfolio website up and running. It's gsarkodir. That's basically my name, plus sarkodir.com. And on my Instagram, same name, gsarkodir. Thank you. How about you, Violetta? Yes, so um, my, for example, my Twitter slash X handle, it's viomarin.eth. So it's V-I-O-M-I-I-A-R-I-N dot ETH, same as Instagram. And there, there's also a link to my portfolio, to my foundation, OpenSea page. So um, yeah, fairly easy. And you, Catherine, where people can find your portfolio? Oh, <laughs> that will be, I will make a big announcement when it happens. But uh, up until then, do find me on X, LinkedIn or Visa.com. So yeah. Thank you. And you can find me in Xerox Mauricio on Twitter, Mauricio Magaldi on LinkedIn. And obviously you can find everything related to 11FS at 11FS.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And we have lots in the works and we're so excited to be talking to you about crypto and blockchain. If you can't wait until the next episode, take a look at the many previous episodes. We have a huge catalog and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. This is all for today. Stay rare. Stay weird. LFG.